Welcome to the podcast version of 32 Bar Cut, the show. A series for performers, about performers, made by performers. Every week, we give audition advice, share personal experiences, and sit down with fellow colleagues in the performing arts to chat about their life in the industry. If you are hearing this message, you are not currently a subscriber and will only be hearing the first half of the podcast. If you would like to hear the full interview, including the Curtain Call series, you'll want to head over to 32barcup.com, where you can find a link to our Patreon page. There you will have exclusive access to the entire video and private RSS podcast feed, as well as other subscriber-only content. Thanks for listening. Without further ado, on to the show. Today on 32 Bar Cut the Show, we are sitting down with Broadway's Derek Kobe. Welcome to the show, Derek Kobe. <laughs> hey, how are you doing? <laughs> good. How are you doing, Derek? I'm good. Hi. You're managing? I mean, I know this is different circumstances. How really are you doing? How have you been? You know what? Every I have to be honest. Every day feels different. Mm. Every day it changes, and and the weather affects it. And um, yeah, I just think every day changes. And sometimes I want to curl up in a ball, and sometimes I'm like, let's cook, and you know, like you know, <laughs> uh, let's be active, and all that stuff. So overall, very good, but uh, it, it's not constant. <laughs> So I'm trying to find the constant, but maybe I don't need to find the constant. Maybe it, it's what it is. So, yeah, I can I can identify with that for sure. Like, it's funny when you the first time when you just said it's different every day. I thought, well, my life is the same every day. There's you know, but I get what you mean that how you feel about it is yeah. different every day, and how you approach the day, and maybe you have a little more energy this Wednesday, but then Saturday you're like. No, I don't want to talk to anybody. Put my phone on silent, you know. Yeah, that. Yeah. Maybe, you know, one day I'm like, oh, let's Zoom. I want to Zoom with my friend. And then the other next day I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> and not because I don't love my friends or my family. It's just like, you know, yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I can identify with that for sure. Yeah. So where were you when, like, you where, what were you up to? Because I know we've kept in touch off and on since 2019 when we, when we did Kiss Me Kate together, but I don't know what you were up to in March of last year when this all went down. What were you up to? I was in Utah. Um, oh, wow. At the, yeah, at the Pioneer Theater Company, and I was doing a production of Once on this Island. And uh, we came back March 8th, and then, what, three days later, I think we were on lockdown. I was like... Yeah. I was kind of glad I got, got out of Utah before that. You got back just in time. I got back just in time. Um, so, yeah. And then the then the plan was to go, actually, uh, to go to Philly right after that to do another production of Once in this Island. Um, <laughs> so that's where I was. And then this is where I've ended up. So, yeah. <clears throat> and for everyone watching, Derek is in Manhattan, New York. Um <laughs> Yeah, that's that's where he is. We're over here in Brooklyn and we get a chance to do this virtually and connect. And it's really good to see your face because I haven't seen you. Oh, my God. Not since opening it's, night. It can't. I mean, closing night. <laughs> I was like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> we did have a scene together. On stage. 
you were like one of the first people I saw. <laughs> Maybe you didn't see me. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I um, <laughs> I'm uh, I'm actually nearsighted, so I just need people to be a little closer for me to catch who they are. <laughs> I got it. <laughs> no, but is the last time we saw each other was it closing night? <laughs> I think actually, I think that's yeah, that's right. That's that's actually right. Yeah, that's not. Has it been that long? Wait a minute. How long yeah. Was that? Well, see, it's weird because. It only would have been a few months, but then March hit and none of us saw each other, right? Like That's exactly right. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And then you, I mean, you went back, you went back to work and I went out of town because regional theater is where my money is sometimes. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that's exactly what it was. It's a whole year. It's been another like, oh my goodness. It's it's been a it's been a, a, a year. <laughs> of, yeah. Of not seeing people face to face. And I I didn't realize until the other day, after the holidays and stuff were done, then all of a sudden you were like, oh, we're almost back to the uh, start of this whole Back thing. to the start, yeah. Yeah, Few because of the ho- holidays can distract you, sorry, yeah. No, go ahead, yeah, the holidays di- were distracting. It They're was distracting. a little respite from all of the, the real that we were experiencing, yeah. and then, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're like, okay, let's do Thanksgiving. All right, Christmas. Okay, a little little New Year's celebration. Oh, and then, you know, we had all the other political stuff and all that. So, yeah, and then once it all kind of, like, washed away a little bit. Now, yeah, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I was doing some research on you because, like, I, I know so very little about you. And it's crazy because I feel like we, we got close on Kiss Me Kate pretty quickly. Like, I just felt, like, a connection with you. But then... We didn't get the chance to really sit down and chat about each other's lives. And so I was like, well, let me get on this Google and do some research on Derek Covey. And <laughs> it sounds like to me, so was your Broadway debut Scottsboro Boys? My Broadway debut was Scottsboro Boys. Yep. Oh sure my was. God. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. What was that like? What was it like to be in a show like that? I, I want to hear everything. I want to hear about the audition. I want to, did y'all do some readings? Did you do a workshop? Like, I want to hear it all. I want to hear the whole thing. Okay. So the first, uh, the audition, I, um, I was working sample sales, as you do, um, you know, my side job. And I was on the floor selling, you know, high-end fashion stuff. And I got a call from my agent. Oh, wait, I'm going to go back really for a little bit back. Okay. I was hanging out with a group of friends just chilling, you know, um, having some cocktails, conversation. And this guy, I meet him for the first time. His name is Bone. And we're just having a good time. And all of a sudden he goes, uh, there's a show coming out that uh, that's coming out soon. And I think you'd be perfect for it. And I was like, oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, Bone. <laughs> yeah, okay, Bone. Uh, so anyway, I ended up learning that... Um, Bone is John Cannon's assistant. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I totally threw it away. And then, so then, platform, like, uh, a month or two later, um, my agent calls me while I'm on the on the floor uh, doing uh, selling clothes. And he goes, uh, all right, uh, Susan Stroman, they want you to come in for this show called The Scottsboro. Oh, my God. And this is so bad. But... I had gotten into this work mode and I was like, I just need to pay bills. I can't leave the floor. 
I was also nervous because I'm like, I know Susan Stroman because Center Stage is one of my favorite movies. Um, and, you know, I knew producers and all this. And I was like, I'm on the phone with my agent. I'm like, well, I, I, I really can't come in today. I'm <laughs> like, can I come in another time? And he goes, no. <laughs> They're not going to wait for you. <laughs> I'm sorry. so i'm like okay so i go up to uh my manager i'm like i gotta go i gotta go to this thing so uh i went to the audition and and sang and my favorite thing so they're behind the table it's john kander david louder music director stro and um i walk in and she gets up from behind the table walks up to me shakes my hand you know says hi i'm susan stroman i'm so glad you came in blah blah just very, very um, warm, inviting. It's one of the first times I ever, well, first time anyone's gotten up from the table that I didn't know personally to come, like, shake my hand and say, welcome to the room. Mm-hmm. So that felt great. Um, so I ended up singing, doing a, doing a monologue, whatever, and then I got called back. And I'm like, oh, the next, you know, next few days was like dance time. <laughs> like, oh, oh, God. <laughs> Because it's not my forte, so I, I can move. I mean, you know, I got an, I got, I got moves with me. But um, anyway, so we get to the dance call, and I mean, so many people up there because at that time it was one of the only uh, black musicals running. Yeah, uh, I think maybe Memphis was right before it or around it or something like that. But this was like a show for young black men. To get in, and they, mm-hmm. you know, New York, they got every black man they knew, every black man. Um, and so I went in, and we all get in that room to get ready to dance. And you know, the dancers are stretched, and oh my swore. god, it's so intimidating. It's intimidating. I went outside and took a break. I was like, I just need like five minutes. <laughs> These dancers are touching their faces with their toes, and I'm yeah. intimidated. Yeah, exactly. So we get to the dance, and I'm fine. I'm like doing this one part, and then we get to the tap break, and I, I, it's not, I don't do it. I don't do it. I don't do it. And we, we, um, we. And actually in college, my, my dance instructor in college was a short little Asian woman, love her death. And she was like, we'd be in tap class at eight in the morning and I couldn't stand it. And she goes, you have to learn how to tap. You're black. Oh <laughs> no. Like, oh God. <laughs> well, I only let it slide because she's, she was Asian. So I was like, we're both colored. <laughs> so, okay. Uh, anyway, so she was right because we get to the tap, <laughs> the tap part and I just, Look at Stro, and I'm just like, <laughs> no, no. And she, <laughs> she, she like smiles at me. She like smiled, and I was like, okay, all right. So I walked out of the room that day, and I called my agent. I'm like, I don't know what happened in there. Like I, you know, but I want to work with her. I want to work on this project. I like what it's about. I like the script. I like the score. I love her energy, and I was like, I want to do it. Whatever. So anyway, then I got a call, and then we did a workshop of it, and then we uh, took it to the Vineyard, and that's where we like built the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, the you know, you know the Vineyard is very good with producing new works um, because they take their time, and uh, it's a more intimate space, and uh, so that's where we first started building the show, 
and then we took it, we got extended at the vineyard, and then we took it to the Guthrie mm-hmm. to do our out of town tryout, which I think are, I think they're very important. I think out of town tryouts are important, especially just to get out of New York City from the, the hustle and the bustle and, you know, all the producers in the room and all this, just to go like do the work. Like, yeah, you have to work. protect it. It's, exactly. it's the creative process needs to be protected. And when yes. all eyes are on it and you got critics coming around and even casting directors coming around and um, sometimes even your friends, it doesn't yes. protect the show. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And yeah, it's like going on to, it was like, you know, going on an artist retreat, mm-hmm. just away, away. Um, so then, yeah, we took to the Guthrie and uh, it got extended there. And, and then, uh, they had now they actually announced at the end of the vineyard that we were coming to Broadway, but we were gonna go out of town first. Um so that was the audition process and the start of it. And uh yeah, that part. And then so then, you know, uh the process itself was pretty amazing because from the get-go. Uh, I remember sitting down with Stro, us all sitting down, and she, you know, she's like, I am a white Jewish woman from the Upper East or West Side, uh, or West Side. I, I don't know what it is to be in this specific show in the Scottsboro Boys. I don't know what that is. And I'm not going to f- fake it and act like I do know what that is. That's why I hired you, this group specifically, to tell the story. Mm. Um, which I just always respect and appreciated it. I was like, thank you. Like that felt good. Um, so then we, you know, we, we got together and, and the boys, when I first met them, like Christian Dante White, um, Julius Thomas, you know, all, all the Josh Breckenridge, all the, these really wonderful people. We, uh, at the beginning of rehearsals, we all went up to the Schoenberg, which is in Harlem, um, a library like old school history, historic library, because there was so much of the Scottsboro voice that wasn't written down. Mm. Um, because in that time they didn't, no one cared. They were just like, these boys did this, blah, blah. Here are their names. Here are their ages. That's it mainly. So we went in and, uh, you know, microfiche. No. Do you, oh, it's so old school. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's newspaper printed on almost like uh, clear, plastic that you put under a magnifying glass and it's all these old old articles that are stored on it so you have to like go to the card catalog look look up andy wright go to the card put it in and you get these like almost blurryish uh prints and that's how we started learning about these boys as much as we could as much information as we could so um and that to me that was a really special day because i was like oh, this cast is like, we're ready to like dive into the work. We're not just putting on just like some, some show. We, we want to tell it right. We want to tell the story right. And that inspired me. So we did that. And then, um, you know, one day Stro sat down and she, you know what it is? I think we, we almost talked more about the show and about um, the specificity and what we were trying to uh, convey more than we did like the dance numbers and stuff. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's one thing, right? We can do the dance steps. We can know our, know our numbers, know all this. But the intention behind it and, and what we stood for was way more important. 
So one day she goes, uh, I need you guys to come back, like school, come back with backstories for these characters. So we did the library thing. And then Julius and I played brothers, Andy Wright and Roy Wright. I was Andy, he was Roy. And we went to a coffee shop near Union Square, near, near the vineyard. And we just sat down and we created, from the knowledge we had already learned, uh, the real knowledge, and we created a backstory for, for ourselves as brothers. And, uh, and then everybody else went in and we shared the stories in a circle. And there was just something special about it because I thought we were all on one accord. We, we, were, we all had the same passion for uh, the truthfulness of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was the beginning of the rehearsal process. Yeah. And you're honoring these souls that, that really lived and, and experienced this. And I think, I just, I love the way that that was handled, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's important. Exactly. We're honoring the, honoring their lives. And, and, and that's the whole, the whole musical is about the truth, telling the truth. Mm-hmm. There's a whole song called make friends with the truth. Um, and, and, and so it was important for all of us because uh, it could have been us. That could have been us if we were born in that time period, you know, in 1920, it could have easily been us. Mm-hmm. So, and, uh, and it was wrong the way they were treated. And it was, uh, so it was important to, to be on top of it and be honest about it. Yeah. Wow. I mean, it's a really incredible Broadway debut because it's not, it's, there's nothing, the, first of all, there's nothing easy about a Broadway debut. There's so much pressure, you know, um, but then on top of that, to have material that's so heavy and important and um, that can fashion history, you know, because any any depiction of something historical kind of goes along the traje- trajectory of that historical event, you know? Yeah. So what happened to them is also going to be wrapped up in the history of a musical being wrote, written about them or a, a movie being written about them. And so... I mean, it's it's pretty remarkable. It's pretty remarkable. Yeah. I remember you telling me one day in rehearsal at Kiss Me Kate that you were in that cast. And I was like, wow. You know, and I haven't gotten a chance to see Scottsboro Boys, but just knowing the history of it was enough for me to to know how important it was, you know. Yeah. It was, uh, to me, to me, it was, it's the most interesting storytelling I've ever seen. And it, because we use a format of a minstrel show, mm-hmm. um, but Candor and Ebb are used, I mean, that's kind of their thing. Like Chicago is, uh, you know, the roaring, what, 20s, I think it is, and, and speakeasies and all that. And, you know, um, uh, uh, Cabaret is the uh, underground clubs in the, uh, you know, um, Germany. Or So anyway, um, it was, uh, yes, I want to go back to what you said. I, that's the best way I kind of want to make my debut um, some, about something important. Um, that meant something and made you think and made you feel and uh, and originate a character, but not a character, somebody who's real. Yeah. You know, it's it, it I think it was meant to be my debut, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does I think make that's sense. What it, I think that's what, uh, I think the timing, I think that's what it was. I think that was the project. Yeah. It started with that, that <laughs> night on the town with Bone saying, hey, you know what? <laughs> I got a show for you. And you're like, okay, whatever. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. And then it yeah. turned into this this magical moment that will stay with you forever, I'm sure. Forever. Forever. Yeah. Really. I want to go back a bit with you yeah. because 
you said that you, okay, so you're in New York, you're working on the sales floor, you're doing regional theater off and on, but what really is your story? Like you already had an agent. So how did you get your agent? Did you go to theater school? Like I have so many questions. Oh. <laughs> well, back in, uh, <laughs> 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 well, I'll, I'll, I'll just go like a little, little further back. I grew up in church. Right. And, mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, I was a choir director for a while, and this is like at age 11. My mom was a minister in the church. And then I decided, you know, at 11, I was like, oh, that choir could sound better. Ooh. Oh, that, this, this could be better. That, this could be better. So then I, <laughs> I, I was directing the choir, and I'm like, mm, I want to learn piano. <laughs> because I realized that the piano player is the real director and the gospel in like the Baptist church. Mm -hmm. They pick the songs, they pick the soloist, <laughs> they teach the parts. So I was like, oh, this is a power move. Um, <laughs> Old 11 year old Derek Covey. 11 year old Derek Covey. <laughs> so, so I started playing piano and grew up, you know, grew up in church singing. And uh, actually the choir, the children's choir, when we started, when I started with them, this now, now it's been a few years, like 15 or 16, we had built to like 125 kids and we had started with 20. Wow. So anyway, so that, that was like the beginning of it. Then I ended up going to um, Duke Ellington School of the Arts in Washington, D.C. Mm -hmm. And I studied opera, uh, opera performance and, um, and that was fine. I liked it, you know, but I, I realized it wasn't for me. Mm -hmm. um, I, I appreciate, I respect it so much. But I'm like, if I want to sing, sing in a foreign language, I have to know what I'm talking about. I have to know every word or otherwise I just feel like, you know, beautiful notes. Yay. Great. So anyway, I started studying there. And then after a year of Duke Ellington, they caught on because people, you had to, it was tuition if you didn't live in the city proper. Wow. And we lived 20 minutes outside in Alexandria, Virginia. And my parents were like, I mean, you're almost about to go to college. We just... We can't pay for it. So I was like, fine, that's fine. Went back to my high school in Virginia. And then uh, we went to, took a trip to New York City and I saw Showboat, one of my first musicals. Really? Yes. How Prince directed it. Susan Stroman choreographed it. Stop. Yeah. Did you tell and her I, that was your first Broadway show? I did, yeah, I did. I totally did. Of course I did. Because uh, to me, I was like, oh, this is what I want to do. I want to sing. I want to act. I want to tell a story. And I want it to mean something. I want to be moving. And I was like, that's what I'm going to, that's what I need to do. So, um, uh, I left opera and those yellow books. Did you ever sing those yellow arts books? Yes. Oh God. <laughs> all the art songs, all, all of the, the art songs. all the oratorio, all of it. Yeah, no. <laughs> The IPA at the top. Uh, what are the vowels? Oh my God. Is this an ah or a, uh, with, which, all what, Oh my God. So all of that. Don't get me started. Yeah. Don't get me started. <clears throat> Moving on. Which, which was yeah, which was fine for like, you know, like ballet for dancers. It's fine. It's good to learn the uh whatever, you know. The, sure, sure. The, the fundamentals. The fundamentals, yeah, exactly. So anyway, then I uh the, so I saw that and I went to school in Baldwin at Baldwin Wallace, which is in Ohio, outside of Cleveland, and studied musical theater. And uh we did a, I was the only black student for about 
three years, two years. Wow. Um, only one in my class. And then for two years until we actually went out and recruited, we tried to recruit more students of color. Uh, that was uh, Vicky Bussard who runs the program. She kind of used me to help kind of do that to, uh, to, you know, gain more in the program. So then uh, after that, we did a showcase in New York and I picked up an agent. And yeah, that was the beginning of that. Those um, New York showcases, man, they can put people on. They it's, really can. It's a really good opportunity, I think. It's really good. And it's just different in the way of uh, what is the thing where you uh, you meet different directors for, or casting director for like maybe three minutes. Actor connection, something actors connection. I haven't done anything like that. Is it kind of like a speed dating thing for like a speed dating thing? Mm. And that's the difference with the showcase. It's because they they're not getting they're not getting paid to be there. They're mm -hmm. coming there because they want to recruit and and they trust that this school is bringing them great products. Mm -hmm. I hate that word for it, but uh. And so, yeah, it, it was very helpful. And also the thing with the showcase is you have people like Vicky who puts together you and your best uh, presentation. Mm -hmm. And that's in the, and then they get in the casting directors watching, they go, as opposed to the speed dating version, which is a little, little harder. And also you don't, you know, you don't, I don't know if you sing it, those are not, I don't know, I, I never did it, but um, yeah. So and then I got the agent and, so. Yeah, and I can imagine the setup of a showcase too is a performance rather than this speed dating thing that we've neither of us have done and don't really know how it works. Seems more like feels more like an audition, and the stakes are so high in an audition that you you sometimes people are really great at putting their best foot forward, but most of the time, you know, it's difficult. And so I think yeah. a showcase is like, look, we ran this over and over. I feel really good. I got my scene partner or whatever, and you can you can shine. So. Yeah, yeah, and it, it, yeah, and you can give a solid performance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So then it got the agent, and then that was interesting too because you really, I really, that was a whole thing back then, because you know some agents rub you the wrong way, and you're like, Oof, I don't think, mm. no, no, not, not no, a good no. fit. No, not a good fit. But that took some time to learn at young age, because I was just like, thank God I have representation. Let's go. And then you know, as you grow and you mature and you and you see what you offer also, you learn who you want to work with because they work for you too. I mean, they yeah. work for you. Um, I remember one agent, I won't name the name. <laughs> you know I want to drop names all over. This, <laughs> <laughs> so this one agent, they. <laughs> they. <laughs> rhymes with. <laughs> Anyway, one day, one of my favorite things about him, he was like, uh, I was just going in for a little meeting just to say hi. We'd already met. We already, he already was going to bring me on. And he goes, do you have a headshot and resume in your bag? And I was like, no, he, he already had one. He already had one. He was testing me. He's like, I was like, no, I'm coming to see you on my like lunch break. <laughs> There's nothing happening. He goes, you always have it on you. You always have your, your resume headshot. I was like, is this like what Is this year? the 80s? Like... What's happening? There's the internet. I I can't tell you how many times I've walked into Telsey and they're like, no, no, we're good. We have we have your stuff. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's amazing. Save it's the a, trees. Save the trees and save me time. Save me time. 
Save me time. I have to learn all these lyrics. Like, <laughs> now I have to type, go print these. Yes. And type this. <laughs> oh my gosh. Now I, I have, I keep prints. Like I go to Adorama. I think that's the name of the site I go to. And I'll print like 35 headshots uh-huh. and I'll just have them. And then when it starts running low, I'm like, look, I need to order. Not that, I mean, when am I going to get through 35 headshots? I don't know. But I have them because the days of running to CVS or Walgreens or FedEx or Staples to print a headshot, I need it to be done. I need it I to be you. over. I hear you. I cannot. I you. Stapling my headshot before I walk. I cannot. I cannot. I know. Like, but that's what happens when you're broke and you're a theater you know, aspiring theater performer and you're broke and you have to pay as you go. You can't, like, I didn't even, I don't even think I had a stapler, but they know it because you go to the equity office and you're waiting in line to go in and what's there at the front? A stapler, a highlighter, a pen, what you need. We know you don't have nothing. (laughs) I think sometimes it'd be cutting boards. I'm serious. Yes, paper cutters. Paper cutters, Absolutely. (laughs) They know that we that our headshots aren't trimmed because we got them at Walgreens and our paper is eight by eleven or eight and a half by eleven, whatever the measurement is. They know. It's true. They it's true. It's true. Oh my gosh, Adrian, there was one time that same agent that we shall not mention. Um <laughs> uh they said to me, uh, <laughs> they said to me, uh I don't like this headshot. It's too gummy. Gummy? Oh, wow. Wow. I said, okay. Uh, <laughs> this isn't going to work. It's not going to work. <laughs> How You're dare you disrespect that. my gum and teeth ratio? Yeah. Leave, leave it alone. And yes, leave it alone. And I'm not, I am I consider myself to be a very honest person. And that's how I want to be represented. I'm not going to go around smiling like, this. Yeah, like that. <laughs> like, yeah, like that. <laughs> I just spit out my coffee. <laughs> oh my God. No, but that's true. That's not who you are. Exactly. And if someone hires you, that this is who you are. Yep. Yep. We're not so. trying to be out here being inauthentic. Like we're like, what's the point? Exactly. There's room for you just exactly. the way you are. Yeah. Yeah. And you have to learn. You have to learn as you grow, decide what you're going to accept and who you want to work with and who you don't want to work with. Um, Absolutely. It's important for any any life lesson, not even just theater, but uh Yeah, yeah. even in, in relationships, you know. Yeah. Um, because it is relationships. Business is relationships. Yeah. And if you yeah. have someone that makes you feel badly about yourself, then especially when they're your agent, you got you got to look look in, into that and figure yeah. out why. Um, yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that agent story. Like I, I needed that. I needed that real good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh gosh! And then I'll tell you one more, one more. There was another one that I met with. Who I I said no 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 <laughs> crazy crazy acting crazy acting and uh, old very old school acting like basically should have had a cigarette tray ashtray on the desk and be like 
So what is what is it you do? <laughs> like that kind of <laughs> Oh my gosh. I've I have sat in on one of those before. And you're just like, this is old New York. Old New York. Oh old God. New York. And then you say no. And then like four years ago, I hadn't seen her, uh, this person. And um <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't seen this person in what, maybe 12 years? And they saw me in a production of Ragtime like four years ago and was so excited to, to bring me in, to sign me. I was like, no, we've been down this path. <laughs> I know who you are. I know who you I are. I know you, Josephine. <laughs> no, that's real. It's so, it's remarkable when um, you have these bad experiences with people in the past and then, you know, a few years go by and for them it's watered under the bridge, but you never forget how someone made you feel. And yeah. so you might not remember the circumstances or anything, or you might remember it clear as day, but if, if, if they left a bad taste in your mouth and now you have the upper hand to say no, yeah, then you're going to say no. I'm going to say no. And I was very, at the beginning, I, was, I didn't sign right away. I freelanced mm-hmm. with uh, two different agents because I, I wanted to test the waters out. I wanted to see who was doing what. I didn't want to sign my my career over to somebody and and not see them not do the work or or be uh, I don't want to say the word abusive but like a neglectful agent. I wanted to test the waters out. Yeah. So I was I was a believer in that until maybe maybe seven years ago. Then I was like I found somebody I really liked. I'm like okay we can I feel comfortable signing with you for the next whatever two years or such. But uh, but before that I was uh, I wanted to test the waters out. Yeah. 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 So you said earlier that regional theater is like your bread and butter. See, Love. and I was going to ask you that. Like, do you do you have a preference? It sounds like you just revealed your preference. <laughs> I love it. To me, it's to me it's a place where you can actually learn. Mm. You work with other artists. Again, you're away from New York City. Right. So away from all the noise, beautiful noise, but you're away from that noise. And, you know, like the the Broadway, you know, it's such a machine. Yep. And there's no time for a lot. It's five, six, seven, eight. There's not really a lot of time for questions and blah, blah. But when you're at a regional theater and everyone is there for that, what, three week, four week rehearsal, even your director, Mm -hmm. you live in the same complex or you live close you can talk, you can sit and you can sit at tech and not have to be on stage and you can sit in the audience and you can watch the sound designer work. You can watch the director work. You can watch the choreographer work, and you can watch people on stage work as opposed to like the Broadway machine. It's like when you're not on use, there's something that's probably being happened. Yeah. You're probably meeting with wardrobe or the hair department. Something's being done or, yeah. you know, um, and to me, the regional theater world, it's where you really, like even during um, Kiss Me Kate, there were so many scenes <laughs> that I don't even think I ever saw. <laughs> like I, I've, there are scenes I've <laughs> never ever seen. Yeah, and there was no chance of me seeing them. Like, and there's no chance. Yeah, yes, yeah. So then, when you go to a regional theater, you can actually sit in and mm-hmm. you can watch people's work ethic, and you can watch how they make choices. And I feel like you can, the process is a little more uh, cohesive. I had to say that, especially about uh, something comparative. Scottsboro was a different thing because Scottsboro almost felt like we were at a regional house and mm-hmm. we did go to a regional house. You had the we time. Did yeah. We had the time. 
And um, so that's one of the reasons I love regional theater. And the other thing is, well, A, that, the learning, the listening and learning and watching and being able to have conversations. Or even like, you know, if you finish a show here in New York, you go home. <laughs> You're yeah. tired. But in you know, regional theater, you hang out. You, you make friends. Out. Yeah. And you and you can learn from them. You mm-hmm. can really learn each other. And, and um, yeah, that kind of stuff. That, like I said, uh, work ethic and all that. And um, also, you know, Broadway isn't always consistent, depending on who you are or where you where you are and or what you want to do. And the, the regional world, it's like if you make a good uh, mark or if you if you represent yourself well at a regional theater and you do your gig and you're, I think if you're a joy to work with and and all that stuff, they'll have you back. They will have you back. Yep. <laughs> they will have you back and they'll have your back. So, you know, like, even during this, I've done some projects for Philly is my go-to regional, like, theater home. And they, they call you, they've called me during this, even if it's something small, you know? And so it's, it's, it's lovely to have that kind of support and uh, almost, it, it, I, it gets over you so much, but family. <laughs> um, <laughs> I thought so, you were going to say something very overused. That's not too too much overused. Well, you know, everyone close the show. They're like, "Oh, that's my family." <laughs> You're like, "Was it really?" <laughs> Do you think that it comes down to money? Like, I'm curious about this because uh, I got my start in the Chicago theater market, right? And I had some great memories, and I grew in that market. And I was, I felt like I was taken care of because I was so green. And then I moved up on the ladder. You know what I mean? Like, so at first I was just understudying and in the ensemble, maybe one line, you know, or not even a line. And then moving up to actually getting a chance to do a principal role. But some, I felt, I almost felt like, um, even though it was professional theater, it almost felt like my own theater program moving through Chicago like that. And yeah, I wonder, because I felt a stark difference when I got to New York, and I wonder if it has to do with the stakes. Like, if it's so much more money involved that people, they don't have time for you. They don't have time for mistakes. They don't have time for growth. They don't have time for sensitivities, you know. Um, and I don't think every director is like that, I, I, you know. Uh, but yeah. I, I I, think that it's different, and it, it doesn't serve the creative, at times, I will say, it doesn't serve the creative spirit of theater. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, because I think I think you're right. I think it, well, it's definitely a lot to do with money. And there's too many cooks in the kitchen in New York City and, mm. and, uh, mm-hmm. at that level. Because, again, money. Um, <laughs> and time, and time. They have deadlines. You know, yeah. they have all these deadlines. Because not only top of the show being up, press releases and this, you know, all these things you got to get, I mean, it, it almost doesn't stop. You almost don't get to like, just sit yeah. in, in your project. Um, like you can do, uh, I think in a regional theater and the, something you said uh, before, you know, the other thing that I think I love about regional theater is that you can go out, and you can hone your skill and play Cole House and Ragtime at a regional theater, which you might not get a chance to do here in New York. Absolutely. Hey, it comes back every 10, 15 years. 
And if your name is not Brian Stokes Mitchell. <laughs> right. You won't be there. <laughs> yeah. <it's> a, <laughs> you can be in that ensemble back there. But like, so that's another thing that I love about regional theaters. Um, you can go out and you can, you can test your, test your artistry, your limits and, and what you can do. Cause you know, most of the people even here in, in New York city on the Broadway stage, even ensemble have strong quality things they can bring and stuff. Yes. Um, and it's not always um, used. Um, it, it, you know, it's, it depends on the show and, and what it serves, what, what your part serves in it. But in, I think in regional theater, you have more opportunity to like, really like dive into who you are as an actor, mm-hmm. as an actor, you know, there are many times, um, you know, in, in big shows, I won't just say Broadway, but big shows, and if you're an ensemble, I mean, sometimes you're moving the table. Adrian and I hope that you have enjoyed listening to the show thus far. If you'd like to hear the full interview and get access to the curtain call, head on over to 32barcut.com where you can find a link to our Patreon page. There you will have exclusive access to the entire video collection and private RSS podcast feed, as well as other subscriber-only content. All right, that's all I got. Thanks for tuning in. See you next time.